0: Uh, we have the uh, wonderful privilege of hearing from uh, a dear friend and, and brother pastor um, John Cha. Uh, he is here with his family on a vacation but um, serving the Lord uh, with us here today um, there in the back is his wife Leanne and their three children uh, David and Noah and Hannah um, and um, Leanne's parents pastor John's in-laws are here as well and um, Pastor John is the, now the, is going to be the interim lead pastor at Open Door Presbyterian Church in Herndon, Virginia, which is um, widely regarded as uh, the most vibrant and healthy um, second-generation congregation um, throughout the United States. Um, he has been there for a long, long time, and uh, faithfully serving and, and ministering the flock there was at one point the lead pastor, um, and then a few years back. Um, in just all humility and in understanding his gifts and the gifts of of those on staff, uh, stepped down to become the teaching pastor, the associate um, to be the teaching pastor there. And um, as the senior pastor has announced his resignation, um, Pastor John will once again step in to be the interim lead pastor for at least a year. And then um, the Lord willing, we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Um, But he uh, is a graduate of UVA uh, years before me, but um, you talk about people whose names you hear a lot. When I entered in as a first-year student at the University of Virginia, um, the one name that kept on coming up was, you know, John Cha, John Cha, and and Leanne, and their love story was the stuff of movies, and um, I just always wanted to meet him, and and then he went out to, to Vancouver, Canada, studied at Regent College, um, and got his degree there and then went back to Open Door Church. Uh, he's going to be addressing us from the Book of Psalms as we've been going through the summer, uh, talking about intergenerational ministry. And I don't know anyone amongst my circle of, of peers and friends in pastoral ministry who is better equipped to speak on this topic for many reasons. Uh, his father was the founding pastor of what is now Open Door Presbyterian Church, um, but their church is also a, um, just a, a sweet story of intergenerational and interdependent uh, worship and, and, and congregational life. Um, and he is um, just a, a fine, fine, fine uh, man of God who really lives out um, the call of Christ in his life. And I am deeply indebted to, to him. Uh, my spiritual growth in the past few years has been, cataly- uh, has been catalyzed by many different things, but uh, one thing in particular that you guys hear me talk about is this group that I meet with called Scrubs, and uh, Pastor John was um, the, kind of the, or one of the organizing hubs and invited me to be part of it, and, and so much of uh, my journey through uh, brokenness into healing and spiritual growth, um, even as a pastor, has been through um, the life and ministry of Brother John. So as he comes to share the word, let's uh, give him a round of applause as we encourage him.
1: Morning. I'm really glad to be with all of you here at Harvest and to be able to share um, God's Word with you. I know all of you realize this at some point, but all of you here at Harvest are also blessed to have Pastor David and Olivia um, here in the EM. They're such wonderful servants and brothers and sisters. And I know that of the next generation of pastors emerging and um, already serving, I know of no one that uh, I would admire more than of David Larry. And so I'm really thankful to be here and to be caring for all of you through God's word. In introducing myself to you, um, I realized one really quick way to really get to know a person really deeply is to know what they love. So I have three loves. Uh, I love Leanne, my wife of 13 years. We met in college, and early on I took all these pre-med courses just to be with her, to be in the lectures with her. I actually took organic chemistry with lab uh, just to be with her, which is considered one of the hardest courses on campus. And taking these classes with her, I thought I was being devoted and romantic to the love of my life. My friends called it stalking. Um, we have our three kids here, as well as Leanne's parents. Um, My second love, I love my home church, Open Door Presbyterian Church uh, up in Virginia. It's my home church, and if it's God's will, I would love to be there for many years to come. My final love is God. I've been a follower of Jesus for 28 years now, and the more I follow Jesus, the more I fall in love with God, and I know sometimes we would wonder, doesn't it get boring after following the same person, the same God, for 28 years. But that's not the case with God, because the more you know him, the more you see sides of him that are more amazing, deeper, truer, more beautiful, more real. And so those years of knowing him is not reasons to know him less, but reasons to want to know him more. And so for me, 28 years of knowing him gives me more reason to want to know him, to love him even more. And it's because of him that we're here together. And so because of him, we want to hear from him, hear his voice. So if we could turn our Bibles to Psalm 78. And we're going to read only uh, the first part of Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. So let's open our Bibles, your apps, whatever you have right now, and turn to Psalm 78. And I'll read from us, starting at verse 1. A maskil of Asaph. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you are God who speaks to us. We thank you for your voice, your truth. Father, we know without your voice, we would only hear our own voices and the voices of this world. And it would just ruin us. God, we thank you that your voice are, um, is a voice that speaks words of life, words of truth. And so this morning, speak words of life and truth to us. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to help us open our eyes, that we would see your words, open our ears, that we would really be able to hear your words, that it's not just physically, but spiritually and and deep in our hearts and our souls we would hear what you have to say to us. Father, teach us as a congregation especially how to tell of your deeds from one generation to the next. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please follow along with your sermon notes. Uh, It's printed right there inside your bulletins. Our passage opens with these very dramatic and pressing words verse 1 a mosquito of asaph oh my people hear my teaching listen to the words of my mouth basically you this person the psalmist asaph wants everyone to pay very close attention he's beckoning us calling us to pay attention to what we're reading and then he elaborates on why verse 2 i will open my mouth in parables and i will h- utter hidden things not obvious things or Things out in the open, but things that people don't understand, mysterious things, things from of old. In other words, these words that the psalmist is about to share are words that are emerging from ancient times. And in the ancient Near East culture, when words came to you from the ancient past, you're supposed to pay very close attention. Because these words are so valuable, so precious, so wise, that they survived Centuries worth of changes. Okay, so that's why the the Near East they view these words with such care because these words outlasted kingdoms, armies, these words outlasted all the ages. And so pay attention. What are these words that have been hidden from old? What are these important words that we must hear? Let's continue reading. Verse three: what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. The Psalms, as you guys are going through uh, the Psalms throughout the summer, basically is God's praise book. If you... I don't know if Harvest, you guys have your own praise book. It's Our church just came up with our own. But basically, imagine God printing out a praise book, what that would look like. The Psalms is God's praise book. It's hymnal of how he wants to be worshipped, how he wants to be approached, how he wants to be regarded. And here in our passage, we have God who wants to be worshipped in a very specific way. He wants to be worshipped across generations. And so here's the first point on your outline. God is so great, he must be shared among the generations. He must be shared among the generations. The Psalms say that God is so great, we have to talk about him to the rest of the world, to all people. And so, and I love this about Harvest, about our church as well, we want to share with him to the nations. We want to share about him to the nations. So no matter how many thousands of miles we have to go, no matter the cultural differences and the geographical difference and distance, we want to share God with the nations. And that is what we call missions. And because of missions, we will wash cars, we will use precious vacation days, those of us who are working, will raise thousands of dollars, raise prayer support, travel 20 plus hours on a plane, endure sickness, stress in developing countries. Why? So that we can tell people about Jesus geographically. In the same way, we want to share about God, not just to the nations, but to the generations. No matter how many years separates each generation, no matter the cultural differences between a 50-year-old and a 12-year-old, we are to seize every opportunity we have as a church so that we can share about God to the next generation. It doesn't matter if it's to a 20-year-old, 12-year-old, or 4-year-old. And so we celebrate not missions, but we celebrate youth ministry, children's ministry. After 25 years um, for our church, we've been on this journey together of serving um, interdependently between the Korean and English-speaking congregation and also intergenerationally from adult children. It's been 25 years we've been on this journey together. Last winter, I had a chance to speak to our um, youth, youth uh, ministry, youth retreat. And there are, um, at this youth retreat, we had about 240 youth group students. And for the youth group students, we had 80 EC counselors, our, our adult counselors. And so what was what worked really well, and I had never seen this. I, I, this was the first time speaking to our uh, youth group students. There was a one to three ratio of adult to student, and so every small group it was about one adult to three or four students who were there, and they were just sharing their lives, and they were just getting so close throughout the the whole retreat. And for me, as the uh, EC pastor, sharing my life with the youth group it was an amazing experience now what was even more beautiful was the summer right afterwards we had vbs for our kids our elementary school kids and my kids were there and there were 600 kids elementary school kids and to all 600 kids there are 200 youth group students who are volunteering and basically the youth group students it was almost a 1 to 2 1 to 3 1 to 4 ratio as well and the youth group kids were just blessing the youth, the, the elementary students. And they were the ones only, youth group students were the only ones who had enough energy to be with these kids for five, four or five days. And they were pouring their hearts out to the youth group. And as I was seeing that, I was like, thank God. Thank God that we have younger brothers and sisters who can minister to the youngest here. They're just pouring their hearts out. And here what I see is that God is so great that he needs to be able to be shared amongst one generation to the next. Harvest care for your generation here within this church. Our God wants our vision of him to be so much at a multi-generational level. Look with me in our Psalms. If you look, starting at verse 5, there are five different generations that are mentioned. Verse 5. He decreed decreed statutes for Jacob and established law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers, Generation 1, to teach their children, Generation 2. So the next generation, Generation 3, by the way, the reason why Generation 1 teaches Generation 2, verse 6 at the beginning, so that the next generation, which is Generation 3, would know him, know them. Even the children yet to be born, Generation 4, And they, in turn, would tell their children, Generation 5. This is not just about one generation knowing God. It's not even about two generations knowing God. It's about five generations that need to be reached about God. Five generations. And God is saying, that is how important I am. That is how great I am. That I don't want to just be here for one generation to be blessed. God wants his name and his character to be passed along, not just to you, to your friends, and just to the person who has lost who is your generation, but even to the generations to come, five generations out. So as you're planning ministry, as you're thinking about what you want to how you want to bless and, and live, leave an impact, don't just think about your generation, but think generations out. God is not satisfied with just blessing you in your lifetime. He wants to overflow onto your kids, onto your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids. That's how God wants to be known. This leads to our second point of this sermon. Because now God invites us to partake in this intergenerational ministry. So, God is so great, he must be shared among the nations. Second, God is so great that we must become great storytellers of him. We must become great storytellers of him. Each of us here are to become storytellers of God. God wants his people to tell the next generation about him, especially about his deeds and works. Look with me in verse 4. It says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power. And the wonders he has done. Wow. The praiseworthy deeds of God. His power. The wonders of what he's done. Many times as parents. Do we have parents here? If, and parents, if you guys can raise your hands. Great. Happy Father's Day, by the way, to the, to the dads here. Many times as parents, we try to prepare what we can pass on to our kids. And a lot of times we're thinking a house, right? Or property, our Roth IRA um, accounts, um, heirloom, or photos, or tradition. But in our passage, God tells us that one of the things we can pass on to our kids are stories of what He has done in our lives. Stories. Stories have a powerful effect over us. There's a, a pastor who was actually one of my seminary professors. His name was Eugene Peterson. And he was a story, um, he's an author, as well as a poet, as well as a pastor. And let me read you um, what he says about stories and the power of stories. It's, it's a quote here, so if you could just listen. He says, The Bible is basically and overall a narrative or a story, an immense, sprawling, spacious narrative. Stories hold pride of place in revealing God and God's way to us. Our best storytellers learn their craft from Jesus, famous for using story to involve his listeners in recognizing and dealing with God in their lives. In both the Old and New Testaments of our Christian scriptures, story is the primary means of bringing God's word to us. For that, we can be most grateful, for story is our most accessible form of speech. Young and old love stories, stories. Literate and illiterate alike tell and listen to stories. Neither stupidity nor sophistication puts us outside the magnetic field of story. But there's another reason for the appropriateness of story as a major means of bringing us God's word. Story doesn't just tell us something and leave it there. Story invites our participation. A good storyteller gathers us into the story and we feel the emotions, get caught up in the drama, identify with the character, see into the nooks and crannies of life that we had overlooked, realize there is more to this business of being human than we had yet explored. If the storyteller is good, doors and windows open, and they show us a spacious world in which God creates and saves and blesses. What a great ministry of storytelling. Can you tell a story... To someone younger in such a way that their picture of God all of a sudden gets so much larger. It's like doors and windows open and they realize, wow, this God is so much bigger than I imagined. We're not just to be historians and just tell about some past things about God, but if you look in our passage to talk about the wonders, the power, the praiseworthy deeds of what he's done in such a way that you take away the breath of those who listen. In 2002, our family, my my side of the family, um, I have five brothers and sisters, and it was my mom, my brothers and sisters, all the kids. Uh, back then we had seven nephews and nieces. All of them were in their elementary years. We took a beach trip out. It was our first real trip together as, as family. And we ended our first evening by um, telling a story. And basically, we told a story of how God faithfully led our family. And the kids were paying attention. You have to imagine seven um, elementary school kids just sitting, just, just paying attention. And from that time on, our family said, hey, this really is, is powerful stuff. And and the kids would just recall the stories even years after we told it. And so every Christmas or summer vacation, whenever our family gets together, one of the things we do after we we eat is we sit in a circle and one of us tells a story of what God has done. This past Christmas, we kind of got ambitious and we said, okay, this Christmas all of us will go around and share a five-minute testimony of how we each met Jesus. So I even got our three kids, David, Noah, and Hannah. I, t- I had them share their testimony. I typed it out so they could read it um, just because I didn't, I wouldn't know what they were going to say uh, when it was their ter- turn. And they got to hear all of their cousins, all of their aunties, all of their uncles, five-minute stories of how each of us met God. They heard 15 different stories, and each highlighting how God saved us from our sins. And here's what they came away with. Wow, this God is real. This God is alive. He worked 15 different ways in 15 different people, and they walked away from that Christmas gathering as if they've really experienced and encountered God. And what my prayer is would be that harvest on Sundays and other times that you guys meet would have times of storytelling where people would walk away and say, wow, this God is real. Jesus saves. And especially the little kids, that they'll hear this story. That was a story for me. Um, one of the most recent times when I experienced God was happened actually about uh, two years ago. Um, all of us on staff were at our offices, in our, at our desks, and all of us at the same time got this strange, obscure, um, mysterious email. And this email basically alerted us about a family who's been attending our church. And this um, email um, accused this family of something. And they were part of, um, this family was being uh, attacked by this other family. We don't even know who they were because they made up a, a fake account. And so we're really concerned um, at the accusations. And so we, I called up the family. And as soon as they heard my voice and I shared with them what was going on, their voice just um started trembling they they were um so so discouraged you, you could just tell they were deflated depressed, and so um we agreed to meet that night, so I drove over to their house, we all sat down, they put the kids to bed, and we sat down, and they just started bursting in tears and the things that they had been going through for the past week um i it was just Amazing that they would still be able to function as a family. They were in tears. And as we're sitting and talking, um, I didn't know this until after, but even the husband had been thinking about contemplating suicide. It was that bad. And during that time, um, all we... Could do, we just said together at the end, all we can do is pray. And at that time, um, I had my Bible with me, and I just read through Psalm 23 as we were praying. And as we we closed our eyes, and I just started to read Psalm 23. And I'm not much into, you know, um, I don't know how this happened, but as I was praying, and my eyes were closed, it was all of us were, at the very beginning, we were just so heavy, so discouraged, so depressed. As I started praying, do you know how your eyes are closed and it's kind of dark, but then if a light shines on you, even though your eyes are closed, you can see brightness? As I was reading and as I was praying, the light started just—it getting brighter. It was so clear that I actually opened my eyes. I thought one of the kids was playing with a dimmer but it no one was there and and the place started to look so much brighter and also with that just hope started welling up in our hearts and afterwards when we all said amen and we looked at each other all three of us were smiling i said guys what do you guys feel the presence of god here And they said yes so it's so clear as soon as we went through uh just this time of prayer a week or so into um, some things that happened afterwards. Accusations were dropped. In fact, the the people who are accusing were actually now called into question. They felt more love as a couple within the family. They were able to share their testimony with our entire church. Since then, they've been leading small groups, and they are phenomenal leaders. They really care for all the people that they're ministering to missionary uh long term is now in their picture uh they shared their testimony of brokenness as i shared earlier they shared it with other people other people are coming to them for help because they know that they can relate um she shared with her co-worker who was not a christian but then all of it recently got saved we just baptized her co-worker um Her co-workers' parents, believe it or not, started coming to our church because of the baptism service. All of this opened doors and windows of what God has been doing around us. And it's all because of the story that God was putting together in their lives. Harvest church. Be a storytelling church. Tell stories of God. But for us, we're not just to tell random stories. There's actually a purpose for all our stories, and there's a big conclusion for all of our stories, the big therefore. The third point here, God is so great that we're not just to be storytellers of him, but God is so great that our generations, the stories we tell our generations, is that they can trust him. God is so great that our generations can trust him. There's a purpose for all of our stories, and we see this in our passage The psalmist calls the people to tell the stories, but for a purpose. Verse 7, it says, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but keep his commands. The psalmist wants the next generation to know, after we tell all of our stories, that they can trust God and not in themselves. In fact, if you have time and you want to read the rest of Psalm 78, here's what the rest of Psalm 78 says. It talks about how the Israelites fail and disobey God over and over and over again. And yet at the end of it all, God is loving, God is gracious, God is faithful. The Israelites fall again and again and again, but they are rescued by God again and again and again. And at the end of Psalm 78, basically it's a call to trust God, to turn to him. And so here's the stories that we want to tell to this next generation. Tell them at the end of it all, they can trust God. It's not about us. It's not about how much we can do, how much we can sacrifice. It's about what God is, has done, what God is able to do, how we can trust him, how we can turn to him. And I believe that as we tell our stories, God will be faithful to our children, to the generations to come i like to end um, just with a story um, for for us. This is a story actually that Leanne and I actually experienced again and again. Um, at our church, we've taught this class called the uh, our, our premarital class. And basically, we sit down with all the engaged couples in our church, and we just... One of the exercises we have them do is they do a family tree. So they kind of describe... Two or three generations out, and also their generations together, about the dynamics about their family who their grandfather is, uncle, aunt, etc., their parents themselves. And basically, what they do is they describe what each generation is like. And what happens, sadly, is for a lot of them, there's generations and generations of bad things um, alcoholism. Um, rage. Uh, There's a lot of abuse. There are a few in our church family where there was um, infidelity, where there was just adultery or um, broken marriages. And what would happen is you would, you can't help but not see it happen all over the place as they're drawing it out. And this is what they all said after they did this exercise. They said, it's amazing how there's like sins of, of generations that just kind of get taught to the next generation. And so we would just see this, you know, just happening all over the place. And then all of a sudden, at one place, it would be different. At one place, it would all stop. And from that point on, in the tree, it would look very different. And we would ask them, what happened at that one place? And everyone would say this, that's when this person or this couple got saved and became Christians. And whatever happened to everybody else, every place else, it didn't happen to that person. It didn't happen there in this family tree because this is where they surrendered their lives to Christ. And this is where what was passed on was not any of the bad stuff here, but the good stuff, the stuff of Jesus, the stuff of God, and without fail, they would say, this is where we gave our lives to Christ. This is where this family gave their lives to Christ. Here at Harvest, as all of you come together and you share in this family tree of God, there are many things that we bring in. And I, we have our own stories. We have our own bad stories of what's been passed on to us. But this is a place where we can hear from God, and his story can become our story, and his story can now be passed on to the next generation. And so this is God's word for us, that we would be a generation a people who would take God's truth and pass it to the next generation. If we could rise to our feet, I'd like to lead us just simply through a time of prayer and through our response. So, if we could rise, um, let's close our eyes. I just want to give you um, two questions. Uh, The first question I like to ask is simply. for you to recall God to give you a story. Has there been a story of what God has done in your life that points to how amazing the wonder, the mighty power of God, His love, His grace? Has there been a story like that? And second, is there going to be an opportunity or can you create an opportunity where you can pass this story on to someone who's younger, someone of the next generation, someone where you can turn to them and at the end of your story they can say, wow, I can trust God. This God is real and I can trust Him. I want so much for Harvest, not just to minister out of just doing things and, and just Serving, which is all great, but I also want Harvest to be a storytelling church. That one thing that will be passed on to this next generation is for the children to come to know Him, the generations yet to come. If we could um, take a moment just allowing God to speak to us. And then I'd like for us um, now together just with one heart, one voice. If we could pray together for the generations of this church, it's awesome that we get to pray for the nations. It's awesome we're thinking geographically. Now I'd like for us to think chronologically, time-wise. We don't want to lose generations, but we want to pray for them. And so if we could pray together um, with one heart and one voice, if you want to pray quietly, that's fine. If you want to pray out loud, Let's pray for our, our teachers, our, our children's ministry. Let's pray for our youth, um, people who are beyond our current, you know, age generation. Let's let's pray for them, and pray for God to um, to minister that that we would tell stories, that things of God would be passed on from one generation to the next, that blessings of God would overflow. So if we could spend a moment just um, praying on our own and um, praying for that. And then um, our praise team and uh, Pastor uh, David will lead us just through the remaining time of, of
0: response. you. Mm-hmm. to minister to the generations has been given to every child of God as well and it's convenient for us to to press into the things that our hearts are naturally inclined to and I think sometimes we take for granted that God has called us to live in, in this way uh, We can be such a uh, you know an inward looking and, and self-centered people sometimes that we think only about, what heart and natural affinity um, leads us uh, you know to those kinds of ministries but as i hear this i think how can we uh, neglect our children and how can we neglect our youth how can we say that my heart is not there that's for someone else i i don't have the energy the time to do this God's place is incumbent God's call is incumbent upon every child of God uh, to reach out to the generations not just us and our children but to our children's children and generations yet unborn that even the 6th graders in here are to be living for the sake of your grandchildren in the future this is the call that God has placed on us if we can continue on our response in a couple ways one, uh, let's ask God Father forgive me for like I knew that I was supposed to be loving the generations to come but I didn't I excused myself because other people did I excused myself because that was for another time in my life Let's ask the Lord God forgive me God I confess my sin of selfishness of of generational elitism whatever it might be let's confess that to the Lord and then secondly let's pray a prayer of commitment right now God I feel challenged the next time we have a youth retreat, Lord, I, I want to go. Lord, I feel challenged. This week, I'm going to take this person out or this group of people out. God, I feel challenged. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, and I'm going to teach uh, youth ministry next year. Or God, I'm going to come out on, to our youth meetings, and I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to share that. And then the third thing as the lord convicts you in places maybe a person of a generation younger than you and maybe for the young people generations younger or even older let's begin to pray for them to pray god open their eyes so that they might be able to when the window when the door comes that they might see through that and to see you in the midst of it so let's pray confession decision intercession Let's pray for these things, and then I'll I'll pray for us. We'll continue in our worship, but let's pray. Uh, Let's allow the Lord God, Spirit of God, to continue to uproot and to convict and then to plant within our hearts. Let's continue to pray. Father, your word is true and your heart is real, that you do have a heart for the generations. Father, somewhere along the line, someone from a generation above us thought about us before we even came to be, perhaps prayed for us, invested in us, gave time and effort and energy so that we might be where we are now. Father, we are indebted to the gospel. And we are indebted to those who believed it so much that they brought it to us. Father, what Pastor John said is true. We would gladly raise $1,000 to go to the nations that they might know Jesus. And you're calling us not to thousands of dollars, but even a a little bit of investment to go on a retreat, a little bit of time to come out to a, a gathering. little bit of money to pay for a meal and to share our stories with people who are so close to us, people who are right here. Father, your call is not simply that we would look to the generations and see that they need help that we would look up and see that you are worthy and that you are good and you are great and your message needs to go forth and that a coming generation and those yet unborn need to see the greatness of our god father that's your desire that's what this is all about make that our desire that we would gladly joyfully surrender for the glory of your name and for the sake of the king we thank you so much thank you so much we love you because you've loved us first we pray these things in jesus name amen